Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Liz Waterstrot. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. How goes it? It's going well today. How's everything in Portland? Good, good. Happy New Year to you. Same to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I found um, six pennies on my six-mile run this oh, morning. Wow. If that isn't a sign for the new year, I don't know what is. <laughs> Six pennies. Yes, and I found two of them at the same time when I was stopped, but otherwise they were all singular pennies. So well, interest interest rates are pretty good right now, so I would invest. <laughs> Turn no, sports, that six into twelve. Sports betting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So you said that you have a story to share. Yes, speaking about sports. So the other day I was on the socials. And I mm-hmm. believe I saw a picture of our friend Stacy mm-hmm. at the new, and I can't believe I'm going to be the first one to drop this in the podcast, <laughs> the new pickleball facility in Naperville. Yeah. Yes. Sure I, shot. I, sure no, shot. She, she has been telling me all about, oh my goodness, they have, get this, they have tournaments specifically for women who are five foot 10 <laughs> and over. Why? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Well, as a short woman, I, I'm feeling left out, but I also want to know why. Yes, I'm not. I didn't. Ex- I think just as a way to have some fun and I don't know, have a theme. So and I, d- I do believe she said they do have tournaments also for it's not so much tournaments, but I think it's just playing sessions. I think they do have them for um, shorter women as well. And I forget, it had some cute name that I'm now not remembering that Stacy is probably just yelling out as she runs and listens to this. Uh, but Pee-wee I mean, Wee League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and everyone should know I'm five foot two. So I say mm-hmm. that with, with love and kindness. Yes. Whereas I could be in the tall gal one since I'm 5'11, but I have to say 5'10, that's a pretty high cutoff. I mean, that, that is. I don't know. That makes me think that there must be like a lot of corn-fed folk out there because I don't that that's you you'd be hard-pressed to find a whole bunch of women who are 5'10 or taller out here to to field a pickleball session. Interesting. So, well, yeah. I yeah. I have my eye on that facility because as you as you know my daughter does gymnastics a few doors down and so mm-hmm. I have watched I have watched the entire evolution of this place from it was just an empty bunch of office space to transforming into this, you know, high end pickleball athletic facility. And I just, I find it really interesting because there was nothing going on there, nothing going on there. And now when you go there, the parking lot is just full and there's people coming and going and you look in the windows and there's people pickleballing. And so I think on Friday night, when my daughter goes to gymnastics, I'm going to walk over there, <gasps> see what's going on. Stop. I'm going to, I'm oh going to find gosh. out like, what are the pickleballing opportunities for women who are five foot two and <laughs> middle-aged see what's, you know, like, what are my options? Maybe, maybe I'll, maybe oh, I'll my get goodness. interested. Oh my goodness. Well, you gotta, you gotta hop on it because I am scheming up a series of, and I think I've let you in on this. I've been scheming up a series of podcast recording parties that I'll take on the road. Mm -hmm. And specifically Naperville is top of the list. (laughs) And and there's a multi-pronged reason for doing so. Not, Not least of which is being able to play at that facility with 
Stacy, as we mentioned, and also to see you, to have you be my co-host at that party. And yes, so um, that would be so <laughs> much fun if, well, cause I'm thinking maybe April, that would be a tentative date. And so, you know, get on it. I'm given your athleticism and your ability to pick up new sports. I bet you'll be able to beat me by April. So I, mm, <laughs> I don't know about that. My body goes in one direction and that is forward. So <laughs> I don't know about lateral and jumping. And I just feel like there's a strained quad in my future. If mm-hmm. I, if I do something like that. So I think I might just be, there's gotta be spectator stands and I can just cheer you on. Okay. Well, that would be incredibly fun. That would be incredibly fun. Oh my goodness. So, okay. So then we could say that maybe one of your 20, 2024 athletic goals is to at least try pickleball, see what it's about. Uh, <laughs> I think that that could go against my state injury free goal, which is always a top priority. Oh, very good. Very good. So our topic to kick off the new year is how to set and attain your 2024 athletic goals. And we're going to be talking about wide ranging goals from exercising consistently to completing a half marathon, doing a triathlon or qualifying for Boston and everything in between. And so Liz, I like that you've already stated yours because gosh, on my run this morning, I was thinking, oh, I should have some goal to talk about on the podcast <laughs> and mm, came up empty to find more change. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm toying with a half marathon. It's been a long time since I have okay. done one. So Liz, as you know, now's the time when you switch from being a co-host to a guest and our other guest is your coaching partner, Jennifer Harrison. Both of you are coaches in our train like a mother club for both the heart rate training programs and our triathlon programs. Obviously that makes you both ideally suited as guests for this episode from a professional standpoint. And I just adore the holistic approach that you both take to training. You see the whole picture. So I am excited. And I always love talking to the two of you. So welcome, Coach Jen. Thank you. Yeah. So let's get down to it. I figured let's start by helping folks like me who might not have landed on any athletic goals for the year. Obviously, there's no rules about having athletic goals as I am living proof to that. But Jennifer, do you think being intentional about having some, whatever those goals may be, can help foster consistency? I do. I think that people need to sit down and it's not like this magical time of the year. Every January, we all need to sit down and kind of write down all these goals. I think that's a little bit, a little bit overdone, but every quarter or every couple months, I take time, like personally for myself, I take time and I write down what are the goals in my personal life, in my work life, and in my athletic life that I want to hit, whether it's spending more time at the college university for one of my children, or whether it's me running a challenging myself and running a 10 K because I haven't done a 10 K in five years, you know, whatever it is, I think you need to be intentional about, yeah, about setting your goals or else we, what happens is we wake up and three months have gone by and we haven't really done anything but chase our tails. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what one does when one goes on a run that doesn't have a purpose to it? Are we just chasing our tails? (laughs) Well, it depends. (laughs) All right. So as we often do, I asked our fabulously responsive Facebook group for questions. So here, here goes with the first one. This one's from Carol Ann. 
she wants to mentally know how to actually make goals without being afraid to. And uh, she said that 2023 came with every roadblock possible from injuries to ER visits, including a busted lip the day before her A race, and then she couldn't race and now having a cast for a little bit of time after thumb joint replacement surgery. Oh my goodness. So Liz, what do you say to Carol Ann about making goals and how to um, kind of move toward them rather than um, letting them scare you off? I think everything Carol Ann just described is called life and it will (laughs) keep happening. Whether we set goals or not, there will always be speed bumps along the way. Some will be very big and take us completely out for a while. And some will just be annoyances that, that do their best to uh, distract us. So I would say, try not to let those things get in the way of you moving forward. And sometimes you might move forward really fast. And other times it's just a single step that you're taking or working within the constraints of maybe having that surgery and maybe you can't do certain things. But don't let that hold you back from setting a goal, setting some smaller steps along the way that you want to achieve en route to that goal. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, Stephanie has an adjacent question. She said, "Uh, I haven't had a distance goal in years that her last half marathon was in 2019 and then had foot surgery and, you know, then the pandemic lockdown, all that. So she said, I'm really anxious to work on my injuries and increase my distance again, but we have an international move planned in the middle of 2024. So it's just not an ideal year for an ambitious long distance goal. So she's frustrated and doesn't know what to do. Yeah. This one kind of just adds on to what Elizabeth said about life happening. And I think the best piece of advice is try to be super pliable with how your year is going to unfold. We all have big life events. An international move obviously is is up there with some major, what we would call fitness roadblocks, because we have to figure out a way around this roadblock. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes just making sure that we understand, like Elizabeth said, life is harder than the actual training. And then if we ask if we ask ourselves, you know, what do I need to do in order to be happy in 2024? Happy, I don't mean happy like in a cheesy, happy way. I mean, content with kind of your achievements and then frame that around your year and be realistic. So maybe putting some kind of event that fulfills you or that you are looking forward to before the international move and then giving yourself grace during the time for the international move, and then something of another large event, something on the back end of that. So you kind of bookend it and being realistic. I think what happens sometimes is people always think, it's like when they go on vacation and they say to me, oh yeah, I've got access to a bike, a fitness center, a gym, a pool. I'm going to work out all the time. And I'm like, "Mm, not, (laughs) not when you're not when you're walking around Disney World for 30,000 steps, you're not going to, you know, so I think if we just back to reality and back to just keeping it on simple, one goal before the big event, one goal after the big event, and that kind of frames the year. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to say, Stephanie, that that international move, then plan a race anywhere where you're moving to this international destination, which now, of course, I'm dying to know what it is. I mean, how fun would that be to do, you know, a a 5k in Amsterdam or I don't know, a 10 mile hike in Peru or whatever it is, you know, that's pretty gosh darn exciting. All right. So Liz, two gals had similar thoughts. First there's Holly and she wants ideas for creative yet still fulfilling goals by short, meaning not extensively time consuming training. 
And she says it's for those busy working moms who still need a challenge, but maybe don't have the capacity for a long distance goal. And then there's Kathy who wants ideas for ways to help stay motivated without being giant all year goals, perhaps lots of different goals throughout the year, as Coach Jen was just talking about a little bit. Well, to speak to Holly's question, why not set a goal to improve your 5K speed or try a different type of running? So maybe you're doing an obstacle run event or you're getting out and doing some type of a trail run and you know, finding these shorter, but still they scare you a little bit and they excite you into action versus thinking that we have to do a half or a full marathon for it to be a goal and for it to be worth the effort. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, look around and see what some other options are for shorter things or just different formats. And Kathy, I would say that if you're struggling with a goal that is all consuming, takes the whole year, maybe you're getting a little bit off track or distracted along the way, come up with something every month. Maybe it's mm. a checkpoint along the way. So let's say your goal is to do a marathon at the end of the year. Maybe it's a checkpoint race every month. Maybe it's getting out and running a course similar to the marathon course. You know, maybe you have to drive a little bit to get that course done. Um, Maybe it's deciding that one month you're going to do all of your long runs with a friend. I would just set some mini goals every month and and keep them light. Don't keep them focused on maybe time or make them really like competitive and hard to achieve. Just think of it like as little checkpoints along the way. You can check the box and feel good about accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just to add on to something like that, one of the things that I found super successful, because I think... What's hard is that we talk about goals, but I think sometimes we all kind of get lost in the word goal because either we're afraid or we're, you know, fearful of putting things down on paper because if it doesn't happen, then we feel like we've not succeeded and or the goals are too big or not big enough. And then we succeed at everything we do. So it gets boring. You know, something that I found that helps a little bit with some athletes is at the start of each week, write down five things that you want to accomplish. And they need to be small because I think what happens is we get lost in these big goals of, I want to complete a marathon. I want to PR at my 10K in my 60s, whatever it is. And I think even for experienced athletes, I think it can be overwhelming. So write down five goals that you want to do every week. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's little as spending 30 minutes this week on strength, or it's making sure that you research possibly talking to a registered dietitian because you're having problems with your nutrition. You know, just like little things like that, or calling a friend. I think if we get lost in the big picture, we sometimes forget to kind of step back and do these little things. I do it in my personal life. I do it in my like my business life of things I want to accomplish during the week because I have this mm. obsession with crossing things off. <laughs> I do. It's a problem. Do, do you have a specific pad of paper or will any, you know, kind of note card or whatnot, you know, um, scrap paper work? So a little thing about me is I'm obsessed with uh, stationery and pens mm. and markers. Okay. So I just got a whole bunch of new ones from some of my high school friends. I have a calendar, so I'm still old school paper calendar. Mm-hmm. And I have a calendar. I can hear it. Mm -hmm. You can hear it. Mm -hmm. I have it. I'm looking at the name of it, of what it's, who, who's, it is called the Life Planner. Okay. By Erin Condren. 
Uh-huh. I am not sponsored by Erin Condren, <laughs> just for everybody. So I have it and it's a paper thing that I write in every week. And so then I've saved all of them from all the years and I can go back and look at them and it's kind of fun. Wow. Okay. We're going to take a little tangent because how many years worth of these do you have and how often do you go back and look at them, Jen? I have them. <laughs> Don't laugh. I think my earliest one was 02 or 03. Now, mm-hmm. Before this Aaron Condren, I had other <laughs> planners. Mm-hmm. I have a stack of planners from those days. And I even have all my journals, my athletic journals in the 90s for my what I did athletically, handwritten, all handwritten. Oh, you are primed to write a memoir, sister. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think it'd be, I'm not really that exciting, though, Sarah. <laughs> I'm pretty rote. <laughs> and then Coach Liz can read yes. it, and then we can talk about it on miles of books. It's a circle. Oh, it's a circle. <laughs> I'm reading Jennifer's book. <laughs> I don't think so. Careful. Careful. We're very good friends. Be nice. <laughs> I, Elizabeth already knows enough about me. She I was going to say, I feel like I've written this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, we'll come back with more questions from our Facebook group or ones that just pop into my head as I'm talking to these fabulous women after this brief break to hear from the brands that make this podcast possible. Stay with us. Okay, so Melissa gave a great suggestion, and it leads me to the question of, do you have any ideas, Liz, on keeping motivation from flagging? And I know also sometimes that you maybe are not totally a believer in the word or concept of motivation. So maybe you can get into that in the question. But here's what Melissa wrote. She said, I am setting myself up with many races to keep motivated. I'm plotting how far it is to my favorite coffee shop. Then I'll aim to train for the distance and arrange for a ride home. Also near the coffee shop is an ice cream place. So that'll be another race, quote unquote race. Yes. Okay. So take it away, Liz. I do believe in motivation. I just think it's tricky when you rely on motivation as your single source of fuel because Mm -hmm. you are human and you have moods and energy levels and motivation can come and go depending on any number of things that tend to be beyond our control. So I think that discipline is a slightly better fuel source. It's more reliable. So what I mean is that If you want to achieve a run workout today, rather than waiting for the motivation, if you say to yourself, you know what, I am a runner, I get up every day and I run, leaning Mm -hmm. into that identity and the discipline that comes along with that identity is going to be more reliable than waiting for the mood to strike you right. Because like today, it's 32 degrees, didn't really feel like going out for a run, but (laughs) it's part of who I am. It's my identity. I know I feel better when I'm done with it. So I love this idea though from Melissa about these little mini goals or just, it looks like she's just, she's making her habit of running more fun. So sure, you know, running to a coffee shop, maybe meeting a friend there, having coffee in a chat and then running back or the ice cream, whatever it takes, basically. I wouldn't spend too much time setting up little things like this. Mm -hmm. Maybe as they pop up in your mind and it sounds fun and it's and it's what you need on that particular day. But I think sometimes when we try to set up too much structure around 
our goals, then, then we need that too, you know? So mm-hmm. that's where I'm saying, if you just identify as a runner and just say, well, what would a runner do today? A runner would probably get out there and just get their run done. But I, I like the idea too, of just keeping it fun. You know, maybe it, I'm not sure if Melissa has kids, but maybe one day it's like, we're going to ride our bike kid is going to ride the bike to the park. I'm going to run alongside them. And then look at that. Then we're, we're all doing something we like to do. And I get in mm-hmm. my run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You saying it doesn't have to be super planned out like that. I'm reminded of my friend, Trisha, who I recently met at the pool and I didn't realize it, but it turns out that a lot of times when we would meet at the pool and we'd be in, you know, side by side lanes, I didn't realize that she was kind of my term doinking around that she would just kind of be like, Oh yeah, I'll do this. And now I'll pull for a little bit. Now I'll kick for a little bit and all this just kind of stuff like that. So the other day she said that the night before we met at the pool that she had said, Oh, I'm going to swim a mile tomorrow at the pool. And Trisha is training for a half Ironman on Kona in, I think it's in June. Mm -hmm. And so all her friends were like, no, 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 don't do that. That's way too much. That's way more than you've been doing. You know, bad idea, bad idea. And that was all she needed for to, to drop the hammer on herself to was to prove them wrong. And so she went and swam 1800 yards, which, you know, is a little bit more than considered a mile in the pool. And I mean, she's, and then we, uh, Trisha and I went and sat in the outdoor hot tub after that. And she just was so stoked. I mean, <laughs> just, 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 she kept on mentioning it. Like I swam a mile, I swam a mile and I kept on being a, a little more than a mile, a little more than a mile. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, it's your friends doubting you or. Mm-hmm. Or ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whatever it takes sometimes. Yes. Yes. All right, Jen, this one will go to you. It's from Johanna. She said, I can focus on miles, strength, mobility, or nutrition, or maybe two of those at a time, but have a hard time putting them all together at once. And Johanna would love some advice on how to put it all together. And later on on the Facebook page, she said she's debating doing a marathon or an ultra in 2024. Well, it's a great question. And I actually had to really think about that when you were talking, because in order to be successful, all these little things add up to this big thing of her completing Mm -hmm. this marathon or this ultra. So it kind of goes back to creating those intentions or those mini goals each week and writing them down. Cause you kind of have to have a plan if you're going to, you know, run a marathon, because unfortunately you do have to do some body care. You do have to do some nutrition work. You do have to do some mobility. And so I think sometimes people get lost in, if they don't have some type of a plan, you wake up in the morning and you're like, huh, what should I do today? Should I run? Should I do strength? And then we lose the sharpness of that quickness of that time. And if we don't do something right away, then we all of a sudden we're like, well, then I can't run because I just thought about it for 20 minutes. So now <laughs> I, I can't get out the door because I only have 20 minutes to run. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the best advice is, is to create some kind of plan. And if you're not, it doesn't need to be rigid. It can be pliable, but just a plan where this is what I'm going to accomplish this week. This is what I'm going to accomplish next week. Because those little pieces kind of are all part of this big jigsaw puzzle of success. Mm. Awesome. Well, I like that big jigsaw puzzle of success. And Liz, I think I heard you about to say something. I would love to jump in here. Um, mm-hmm. I would ask Johanna, do we need to do all of those things? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of information out there about you have to stretch or do mobility and you have to do this and this. And, and I feel overwhelmed when I see all that stuff too. 
So I would say, you know, if she's feeling overwhelmed, just prioritize the top three things that need to get done to be able to do any type of athletic goal. We need to sleep, we need to eat well, and we need to engage in smart, consistent training. So first focus on nailing those three things. And then if you have time for all that other stuff, strength, mobility, then add that in. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying that none of us can do it all. And also it might not be necessary for what her goal is. Mm. So I wouldn't stress too much about, I can't combine all these things. I mean, for me personally, this is the time of the year when I do include strength in my program. But once we start getting closer to my races, I can't manage the extra load. So I Mm. take it out. And that has worked for me. Mm -hmm. And it might work for her too. So rather than feeling the stress, maybe say, are there different times of the year where I can combine all of these three things in a way they work together? And then maybe put some of them on the back burner or on the shelf while she focuses more on just getting closer to the race. Well, Liz, your response to that reminded me to a question that I did not put into the notes because I got it via text from our friend Stacy, the pickleballer, (laughs) and that she wants to try to qualify for Boston at the end of 2024. I did not get details from her as to which race she's planning on, so I don't know when it is. But, you know, she is an avid pickleball player, and okay, people sometimes get tired of me talking about that sport. So it could be something else. You know, it could be somebody who plays tennis or who's really into stand-up paddleboarding or whatever. Having this kind of, I don't want to call it a side athletic passion, but in a way, you know, something that's not um, the main sport of running. How to combine those two together so that you're not then completely draining your energy supply, you know, stand up paddle boarding. Um, I really mean pickleball. Um, uh, (laughs) When, you know, when you have a 20 miler the next day or when you've gone 17 that morning with, you know, eight at race pace, and then, you know, you're, you go and you meet your doubles partner and they're like, okay, let's crush them. And it's like, oh, I'm kind of tired. Mm-hmm. Well, I think people get in trouble when they start to disrespect the recovery that's required from all of these different things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it's not a good idea for Stacy to play pickleball the day of her long run or the day after it, just so her body gets the recovery. Because even if she, and I know Stacy loves pickleball, it mm-hmm. still is this magical word, load again, load on her body, load on her muscles and some recovery is required. So I would just say, be really careful. And then as you get closer to the race, you know, I'll never forget, I coached an athlete a few years ago, we were getting closer to the world championship and she strained her calf. And I said, how on earth did you strain your calf? And she said, well, I was playing pickleball. And I thought to myself, we are three weeks out from the world championship. This is not the time to be playing pickleball, though I respect that it's a lot of fun. So maybe there is a a time period, maybe three, four weeks out where pickleball is just put on hold until after the race, um, because it would be tragic to get so close to the race and have something outside of running, you know, limit her ability to get even to the start line. That's exactly my good friend, Sheila last month was, um, she had trained really hard with a certain coach, Jen, to uh, do oh, California gosh. International Marathon in the hopes of qualifying for Boston. And she she is my most loyal pickleball partner. And she specifically was like, nope, I have to say no to it. I can't can't do it for the weeks leading up to it. So Good athlete. Um, 
Yes, yes. So she had had some hamstring issues, as as Coach Jen knows, and so she was like, I am not, you know, because she will, she's dogged. She'll run down every ball on that court. And she was like, I am not, not going to strain my hammy by, you know, lunging for a shot. So let's go back to Facebook questions. And this one is Julia. And Liz, you've already touched on this a little bit. So maybe if you just round out your answer a tiny bit, Julia is going to be training for her first marathon ever right on when her longest race so far has been a half. So what are kind of the, a few tent poles of critical things here that Julia and anyone else should be doing? Well, let's have Jen speak to this since okay. I, I just finished up. Let's have Jen hop in here. Okay, good. Okay. Jen, you're on. Okay. So I think it's important to kind of see the bigger picture and really focus on kind of the progression of for going from a half to the marathon. And the greatest thing about it is she's already halfway there. No pun intended. <laughs> I mean, that's the hardest part. Usually people want to do a marathon and they're at the, the 5k mark or something like that. So this is actually super encouraging. So just have, you know, get a calendar and a few things to focus on is how to build and progress this in a very smart way. And a rule of thumb is working back from your marathon date to where you're at today and building the run workouts in an increase of five to 10% a week. In general, that's kind of how I would do it. You have to progress super smart with flexibility and pliability to the program. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's something that Julie wants to do, I would do that with focusing on building pro- progression, smart, mm-hmm. being pliable and flexible and working backwards to set up the success for race day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are some important key parts of recovery that somebody like Julia or anyone else kind of um, stretching a bit more for their 2024 goal should be keeping in mind? The recovery part is the tricky part. And so that's usually where people get into trouble is because people don't really take into account that the body can't differentiate stress. And Mm -hmm. so it's this conversation I have with people all the time. They're rushing around and they're jamming in, like, especially during the holidays, they're jamming in the holiday parties and the eggnog and Mm -hmm. not sleeping at night because they, you know, for whatever reason, and they're not recovering. And so they're not able to repeat the workout each day. And then that leads to not being consistent. And so it's kind of the snowball effect of not being consistent and being tired and crabby. And then they get stressed out that they're not hitting their process goals. So it creates this kind of snowball and then people feel defeated and that's when people give up. Mm. And so it's really important to take recovery very seriously. And it changes where we are in our training. Sometimes when we're out of shape, the recovery process is longer. I, um, have a a funny story. I had super, one of these super busy weekends that I really kind of thrive on, you know, where I'm (laughs) at a Christmas party and I'm shopping with my sister, my mom, I hosted a dinner party on Sunday night and I woke up and I went swimming at five 30 in the morning and I literally was working yesterday and I came home and I'm like, I got to just lay down. I just need to sit down for a second. I think I'm going to sit on the couch and work. I literally was out cold for two hours. And that is not, I don't think I've napped since I was 20 years old. Oh I was my out goodness. cold for, for like two hours. Then I got up eight and was kept working because I'm trying to get out of town. And then I slept for nine hours last night. So that mm-hmm. in itself is an example of, okay, listen, you just need to make sure you listen to your body. 
stop getting up at five o'clock in the morning when you're overdoing it socially or professionally and really take in this recovery. And today I feel fine because I was able to sleep for 30 hours yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right, Liz, this question comes from Reagan and uh, she asks, is it possible to get faster in your forties? And, and so, (laughs) you know, I guess we'll know once we get to our forties, whether that's possible, but um, you know, my question then is if so, you know, what are a couple of quick suggestions for how she should go about building that speed? So Liz, what do you think? Sure. Yes, of course you can get faster in your forties. The only time I would say maybe not is if someone has a really long competitive athletic history and they were Mm -hmm. a collegiate runner, then in that case, you may have left some of your best miles long ago. But I would say most of us can get faster into our forties and it doesn't really take anything, uh, too different than what it would normally take to get faster. And, you know, again, I'll go back to, you need to sleep. You need to sleep seven to eight hours a night. I know, preach about that, Liz. How many times am I going to say that? But it's really important (laughs) because that's where the magic happens is during sleep. That's when you recover, you gain gain fitness, get stronger through that adaptation. Um, The other thing is eating well, eating enough, eating a well-rounded diet, and then just staying consistent by way of smart training. So if you can take care of those things, yes, you should be able to get quicker as you go. It might depend on your goals, but I would say a few things that you should keep in mind. And one of these Jen just touched on is that as we get north of 40, our recovery does take longer. So maybe in the past, you used to be able to rip and roar through life and do a hard workout and turn it around feeling good the next day. It might take you a little bit longer to feel good after those harder workouts. There's less room for error after those harder workouts. So you really Mm. want to respect that recovery window. So making sure you're getting in ample carbs, protein, hydration after your workout. So your body is in a good place to adapt and grow stronger from that workout. And, you know, following that, the details really matter more once you get into your 40s. So you don't have room for those days where you really get behind on eating or you stayed out late having too many drinks with your friends. Of course you can do these things, but understand there's a bigger cost as you get into your 40s. You might not be able to get up and do your long run the next day, or if you do it, you probably won't feel well and your heart rate might be high. And the last thing I would say in our 40s that we need to keep in mind is that life is just busier. So while in the past we may have been able to run five times a week and do well with that, Maybe as life gets busier, we need to scale that back to three or four times a week, but add in some more cross training that has intensity. Or maybe we run less miles, but once a week we're running those miles a little bit harder. So Mm -hmm. you you might have to change what you've done in order to still get faster. Okay. All right. Good news to all of us. (laughs) So so now we're going to move into the injury returning to running portion of our questioning. And this one is from Audrey, who says she has a herniated disc in her neck that is keeping her from running and heavy strength workout like she's used to. So Coach Jen, Audrey asks, how do you keep motivation and stay active when your passions are sidelined? Yeah, this is super disheartening because we've all been here. We've all Mm -hmm. been injured. We've all been super sick or, and I think the best advice is to find something else that kind of feeds your soul, feeds yourself and Mm -hmm. kind of makes you happy. You know, when we can't run, then there's usually something else we can do. We can usually bike. We can usually swim. You might be able to hike a little bit. You might be able to get on the elliptical. So ask your doctor or your physical therapist 
if it's if you're coming out of a surgery situation or you're coming back from a major injury, what can you do? So instead of asking what can't you do, say what can I do? And I always tell people just find something that might not be the exact same, but it might also give you that little bit of that endorphin rush that you've missed from lifting heavy or running. And I always tell people it's great cross training anyway. So find something, swim. If I could get everybody to swim that's been injured, I could die very happy. Just from a standpoint of the body loves swimming. Mm -hmm. And I know people are afraid of the water and it's cold and it's hard to go in the dark pool, but the body loves water. Mm. And if you're coming out of some kind of, and and frankly, something like swimming is not impactful. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're so used to pounding our bodies on the run, pounding our bodies in the strength arena of the gym, but that cool kind of movement of the water or even the bicycle um, doesn't need to be this intense, somebody screaming at you on the Peloton, even though there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just take a bike out if you live in a warmer climate and you're on a trail and you're just alone in your thoughts. I think sometimes mm-hmm. we just underestimate that we don't have to grind every mm-hmm. single day. We just need mm-hmm. to move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Well, let's take another little tangent then, Jen, that if let's say people's 2024 goal is to finally take up swimming, what are some suggestions that you'd give to those people? So first and foremost, obviously find a pool. Um, it is worth every penny that you have to pay to go to a swimming pool, find a pool, obviously get the right equipment, which is just all you really need is a swimsuit, a swim cap and a pair of goggles. Mm -hmm. And then if you can, if you know how to swim, you remember how to swim as a kid, don't be afraid, just get in the water and just start swimming and see how you feel. Am I breathing? Can I put my head in the water? Can I blow bubbles? Can I move from one end to the of the pool to another? If you can, then you will make progress because you'll just get more fit as you go through the water and set yourself up, you know, look online and say, okay, maybe I can do five by 25, which is just one length of the pool today or something. If you feel like you love it and you're like, oh, I really like this, then hire a swim coach from your pool and have work one-on-one with that swim coach. It would be worth the, you know, 40, 50, 60, $70 or whatever it is per hour for you just to get a few tips Mm -hmm. on how to, how to put your head in the water, just to give you some confidence. And Mm -hmm. I'm a huge, huge proponent of it for all runners if they can do it. It's funny though, because some of my pure runners fight with me a little bit because, you know, they, they're freezing in the water. So, <laughs> so the, the coldness is if your pool, if you're lucky to have a pool that has a warm pool and a cold pool, just go in the warmer pool. There's nothing mm. wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And then of course, if you're in a climate that's has open water accessibility, then go into the open water. Just don't do it alone. Grab a friend mm-hmm. and have her kayak or him and they'll get a workout and then you can swim next to them. So mm-hmm. just baby steps with the swimming pool, but have somebody help you with your form and it will go a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, Liz, this question comes from a Jennifer and ooh, uh, she wants to know how to bounce back from surgery, like little goals that can keep you hopeful for the long recovery process. Yeah, I, I have personally bounced back from many surgeries. Mm. And I would say the first starting point is to talk to your doctor and say, what can I do? 
and make sure they understand who you are. You know, sometimes the doctor will say just a blanket, well, you can't do anything for six weeks. And I would kind of poke them a little bit and say, well, what do you mean? Like what really, what can't I do in those six weeks? And and you're getting a little hint here that I'm a terrible patient. Um, but <laughs> but no, I, I do feel like, you know, it's it's worth just asking the surgeon and saying, okay, what can I do? What can I do? What is the timeline you anticipate? When do you feel like I might be able to get back to my normal activity? And make sure they understand what your normal level of activity is, that you're not uh-huh. just what I would say is just the typical American who doesn't move at all. Just say like, mm-hmm. listen, I'm I run 20 to 30 miles a week. Like, let's have a different conversation. Mm-hmm. And so then once you get the doctor's blessing, then start with baby steps. You know, I'm thinking back to now, I had three C-sections. So those were all surgeries to have my babies. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking that when I got back into running, my first foray into that was walking a half mile around the block. And I timed myself. And I remember the first time after my last kid, it took me 14 minutes to walk that half mile. And then I would go out the next day and see if I could beat my time. And then before you knew it, I was running that half mile and, you know, and just setting some little mini goals like that, or just even keeping track of your progress, because sometimes you, you know, you have to keep moving for a couple of weeks and then you look at where you started and look at where you're now and you can see it. And that is so rewarding to see that progress. So I would say just start really small, keep track of your progress and just keep increasing your goals slightly. But also listen to your body and respect what it's telling you. After surgery, your body will always let you know if you've done too much. Really, you know, have conversations with your doctor on like, what are the signs that maybe I've overdone it? And, you know, just really honor what your body is telling you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you touched upon some things for this next question, which comes from a Sarah that who does not have an H at the end of her name. Uh, so, Jen, I'm going to have you answer it. This Sarah wants to know how to set goals for next year being freshly postpartum, what kind of goals to work up to return to running, how to wrap her mind around running goals that will likely be related to rebuilding rather than pushing a peak performance. This is super exciting because the possibilities after you have babies, they're kind of almost, almost endless. You have this, Mm. you've had this ability to have this increased blood volume for six to nine to 10 months post babies. So actually, once you come back and you come back smart, which Elizabeth touched on a little bit with, you know, making sure your doctor gives you clearance and all that other stuff, it's kind of exciting. So you can get to peak performance after you go through the process of rebuilding the fitness and the rebuilding the fitness post babies takes time. And you have to obviously make sure that you're on the same page with your physician, whether you had a C-section or you had vaginal births and coming back slowly. But it's kind of exciting because you can watch that progress, just like Elizabeth said. And I did the same things when I had twins, after I had the twins and I was on bed rest eight weeks prior to that. How did I come back? Well, I saw a physical therapist to relearn how to walk, how to Mm -hmm. engage my core, how to make sure my pelvic floor wasn't totally destroyed. And I needed to work on all those little things, but I've, I got so much motivation by trying to keep my pelvic floor, make it stronger, walk around the block, run around the block. That's exactly what I did as I started coming back from, from babies. And so just reframe your thinking about that and instead just work on the progress and have all these little tiny goals and then you'll you'll be surprised at how 
how fast your fitness comes back mm-hmm. after babies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, ladies, thank you so much for talking with me. And I look forward to uh, talking to you more in this new year because I just always adore having you both as guests. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I just adore the two of them. All right. Well, have you heard that we opened up registration for our 2024 retreat? Yes, I know. I said we weren't going to have one, but then a mother runner who, gosh, I think she gets up at 4.30 every morning to run in lovely Lake Placid, New York. She works at a place called High Peaks Resort. She heard that we have retreats. So she talked to her boss who reached out to us and said, you got to have your next retreat here. And you know what? They were both right. So we are headed to Lake Placid September 6th to 9th. It is going to be just a kind of choose your own adventure type retreat. The High Peaks Resort is right there in town. Lake Placid is a charming, charming village that has is just steeped in Olympic history. There's been both the 32 and the 80 games there. And the resort is also on Mirror Lake, which is right in town. And that is a lake that is closed to motorized boat traffic. And they'll still be warm enough for us to go swimming. Just as Coach Jen was talking about, I am so excited to be swimming in Mirror Lake with a bunch of retreaters. So we're going to be hiking, there will be running, lots of laughter, great meals, yoga, all sorts of things. There will not be a race there, but we will definitely be having a lot of fun adventures. So please join us September 6th to 9th in Lake Placid, New York. To find out all the details, see some great photos, go to anothermotherrunner.com, click on events in the top navigation, and there it is, Lake Placid 2024 in the drop-down menu. Again, go to anothermotherrunner.com and click on events. That's where you can find all the details and register. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller?